1: You're listening to The Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 166 of The Corona Diaries. Good Good afternoon. Good afternoon, yes, yes. Yes. And uh, and the Corona Diaries is what you need to type into uh, the search bar when you're going to vote for us in the British Podcast Awards.
0: Oh, yes, please. Yes, please do that. That would be it would be lovely if we got a mention in that, wouldn't it? Especially oh, I think it'd be smashing. Such an eccentric little thing as we've got going yeah. um, would be most odd, wouldn't it? If, it? if it broke out to the wider podosphere. Well, the thing is,
1: we've just, as we've been speaking a few minutes ago...
0: I didn't mean whiter, I meant wider, but whiter came out. I didn't mean that as a kind of, anyway, I'll shut up. (laughs) Anyway, I'll shut up. That doesn't bode well for a podcast. (laughs) Well, 30-minute silence, (laughs) TCD 166. Well, while we've been, just before we came on air...
1: um. 165 went out, went out to the Purples. Mm. And
0: Seamus Colgan. Now, he's uh, a newbie. Right. Now, I'll tell you something about Seamus. I, I, I sang Easter for Seamus at, in Berlin. And uh, the reason I sang that for him, I mean, I don't, I don't even know quite how it happened, but Lucy said that he'd written in and said, could you play Easter in Berlin for me so I can have a good cry? And I thought, well, you can't refuse somebody that, can no. you? So the dedicated Easter we included it in the set because we weren't it wasn't in the set. We added it to the set and I dedicated it to Seamus. And I don't know if he did have a good cry, but immediately after that he signed up and became Purple. So he's he's becoming fairly legendary in a short space of time.
1: Well, He's also legendary because he's already on the back of the podcast going out for one six five literally fifteen minutes ago, he's already voted.
0: Stop. Boris. Stop. So Seamus is lighting the way. Seamus is lighting the way. There's a title for this week's podcast. Well
1: I think we should we should use that, shouldn't we? Let's have that as well. Yeah. This is nice. what happens, folks, if you become purple. I mean Especially- the world's your lobster. From Special things the- happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> if you become purple. Special right. things. Now obviously everybody's just getting getting to grips with one six five. Um, but I have a question about one six five. Yeah. Um, before we start, as you as you feverishly feverishly, grab for the diary.
0: No, I just had, a, just had a quick, anyway, yes? Anyway, anyway. so you
1: you told us last week, because I didn't ask you any questions about the diary reading, and you told us last week that you checked into a hotel in Paris and then once you'd ascertained that it probably had previously been a brothel.
0: I think there wasn't much of a probably about it, yeah. We never know with the French. There's an <laughs> air of brothel in a lot of what they do. No, I know, I would I, I agree with that. But I think it was the lampshades that took it over the edge. Right. I mean the you know, the <laughs> the pornographic wallpaper was a heavy hint. Mm. But it was the lampshades that confirmed my suspicions and, and the trek across the roof to get to the room. Which I loved, by the
1: way. I thought that was <laughs> Beautiful, but so you decided. You decided you 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 weren't staying there. Had a bit of a had a bit of a singer's hissy fit. I, I did purely deserved in this instance. I don't think there's any. I don't think any of us are disagreeing with you. Um, who of us would want to stay in a French brothel, but what it struck me the day later when I was thinking back about it was that you went off on your own. Did you just leave Rothers there?
0: I did. I did. All for one. And off I fuck. Ah, well, there's never been any of that three musketeers business in Marillion, I tell you. Uh, It's it's been every man for himself from the moment I've I've joined the band. Um, Steve's not a big one for hanging about. And Is everybody okay before I wander off? I, I don't think so. Steve's not noted for that. Steve is in Ireland unto himself, um, where where those things are concerned. I think it be, I think it's something that comes from being in a band for years. Maybe you spend the first six months hanging around, waiting for people to make decisions, you know, and get that kind of well. Are we all gonna do this then? Thing together, and then six months down the line, you realise that the only the only place that's ever going to get you is hanging around for someone to make a decision or to disagree with you and go, no, I don't want to do that, I want to do this. Well, shall we all do this then? Um, And and I think you learn very quickly to go, I I would quite like to do that so I'm gone, I'm doing it, because otherwise, you, you know, you just stand about and then don't get what you want because no one can ever agree on anything. Certainly not in this particular beat compo. So and I think I inherited that when I when I joined the band, that was what I inherited. I, I inherited that well, where's he gone? Why? Well, we don't know. He probably wanted to do it. Um so I I imagine when Rothers woke up the following morning to find that I'd left the hotel, he probably his reaction was probably, Oh, it it won't have been well. Why or well? You think he might have? Uh, or uh, 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 did it just been oh? Uh. <laughs> so so when you met up again through the day because you were doing promo because
1: obviously the hmm. two of you had to get together again. Yeah. Did did he just not got mentioned
0: then? Those I don't things think just, you just did. like oh, I don't think it did get mentioned really. <laughs> Maybe you said, "Have you? Are you in a different hotel now?" And I probably said, "Yes." that was probably the the sum total of that conversation. (laughs) I think that is as good
1: an insight into the workings of Marillion as anything. Has Lucy not brought a change to that? Has Lucy not cut through all of that and gone, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm going to sort you lot out?
0: There was probably a a bit of a honeymoon period where she thought, you know, she might. But I think she'll probably learn pretty quickly that, you know, it's we're all going to do what we're all going to do. And uh, she she's, you know, you use a lot less energy trying to get involved in that than you do getting involved in it and trying to push against it.
1: Right. Uh, so she I mean, has her, her things then. She says to you, right, this is important. We're definitely doing this. This is non-negotiable. And for the rest of the time, she's just like, oh,
0: well, if it's what they want to do, leave them to it. It's a bit like that it's a bit well we've actually worked out systems uh, now on the on the <laughs> when we're on the road you there's a use it or lose it budget for uh, for various things because uh, some people don't don't feel they can get a good night's sleep on a bus some people don't want to sit in a car all day driving from one gig to another and would rather be asleep on a bus um some people not pointing the finger at, at any of the guitarists in the band, but but but, <laughs> but some of those guitarists even book their own hotels these days because they they don't like the ones the tour managers booked and and can find better ones on diddlydoo.com. dot com. So um, you know, r- rather than rather than getting a, in a strop about it um we just have a a use it or lose it budget now of of i can't remember how much it is but across a tour it's a couple of grand and that's for each member of the band to decide they hate the hotel and go and stay in another one or to invite some members of their family or some bloke they met in a pub <laughs> along and and you, there is a bit of a budget for that um, on the understanding that if you don't do that, you can't turn around and go, hang on a minute, he's had this and I haven't had that and this costs this much and why can't I have the money? And I don't want to sleep in a hotel, I'd rather have the money and all of that because that's a road to hell that we've been down as well in the past. <laughs> so... We we uh, we arrived slowly uh, uh, upon the use it or lose it budget so that if you do want to invite your auntie Flo and put her in the Malmaison, uh, you can. Um, but just because you have doesn't mean the rest of the band can all have that same amount of money because they didn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's a use. If if you don't use it, you can't claim for it. But but there is an amount that you can claim for, you know, for whatever you need to get you through life. Because that's the other thing. Being in a band and, and touring, much as it seems like a a load of fun, and it kind of can be, it's not easy. It's it is very wearing, and not just wearing physically, but wearing emotionally. I woke up this morning thinking about Charlie Watts and his little tea set and all, and all of his little rituals and the things that he did and how bloody strange that is. But the fact that the other members of the band uh, or, the, or the, how would you put it, the, the band as a system, the, the system beyond the band as well, had recognised that that was what Charlie had to do. To get through life, drumming for the Rolling Stones, and not leave or kill anyone—that uh, was Charlie doing his thing, and he needed that needed to be facilitated. If it meant buying him a set of fine bone china, and a riding crop, or wherever he was at, that's fine. That that's getting him th- that's getting him through being Charlie Watts. <laughs> and I think this. There's a bit of that when you're in a band, you know that that you need to be got through just you know doing it and being it, and if if that means putting your anti flow in the Malmaison or or you know wandering off to another hotel because you don't like the one you're in, as long as you don't do it every day and cost the band you know a complete fortune, uh, you should you should have the leeway to To just, um, I mean, also, uh, Andy Gangadine, who, who, who I had the great privilege to work with, um, he'd he done a Spice Girls tour. he he drummed for the Spice Girls on that really big tour that they did when they were having all the hits and they were in the charts. Um, and I said to him, God, you must have made a lot of money out that tour, and he went. He said, "Well, I got paid a lot of money, but I spent it all on comfort presents. Because I, you know, I I hated doing it so much that <laughs> so on the days off, I used to go out and buy myself really lavish gifts. Um, so you sometimes need to sort of spoil yourself on some level or other, just to keep it together." and you, you know you if you're wise then or if the system is wise then it's better to give you those things that you need than it is to go well you don't really need that and how much is this going to cost and blah, yeah. blah 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 because ultimately you're worth more you're worth what is it you're worth more in the tent pissing out yeah <laughs> Well, you are not worth anything pissing in, are you? <laughs>
1: no. Let's be honest. I mean, you you just you just piss at that point.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, Charlie Watson his his tea set and all his little weirdnesses uh, that you know. Someone, I mean, also talking to Steve Hackett as well uh, a few years back in the pub. Um, you know, he said. To, Peter Gabriel needed a bit of time off when he came to us and he said, look, I'm I'm at my limit and my wife's about to have a baby and I need some time off. And, and we all went, no way. We've got an American tour booked and this and this and that and the other. And he left. And, and he might never have left, but for that, and the world always assumes that, it, oh, it's musical differences. He was bored with the music and he needed to strike out and do his own thing as an artist man, which, and there might have been, that might have been the reason. But when you actually, speak, having spoken to the guy who was playing guitar in, in the band with him at the time, he said he thinks that had they just said, all right, Pete, fair enough, you know, let's, let's put it on the back burner for six months, then everything might have been different. So we all need those little things. How did I get into this? Oh yes. I checked out of that ex brothel. I mean the other thing was part the the, the, (laughs) other This is an ex brothel. (laughs) This brothel has ceased to be. The other part of the problem was that I had luggage. You know, if, if, if I hadn't have had luggage, I, I might not have been quite so bothered. But the fact was the lift only went to the fourth floor. Then I had to climb a narrow winding stair to the fifth floor, which was in fact the roof, hauling a bloody delsey behind me and a computer bag and all of that and sweating and, you know, um, straining. Uh, and then across the roof and then into this shitty room. Um, with um, you know, burn marks on the lampshades. That's never posh, no. And um, you know, and and and, and the bed did take up nearly all of the room. There, there was a couple of sticks of old old French furniture in there that they'd managed to fit in. And I remember just thinking, I'm going to see if I can change rooms because I really don't like this room. And then the phone not working. And you think, hang on, hang on a minute! Someone's taking the piss out of me at this point. I've 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 come to Paris to do interviews for a record label. You know, I'm not charging them for this. I'm doing it to promote, uh, all right, our record, but their record. And um, they're ripping the piss. I'm out of here. I'm going to stay somewhere nice, and I'm going to send someone the bill, and they can all argue amongst themselves. So sometimes you just need to do that. And I think you do it as well as anybody.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's all right. Any time. Any time. I love the kind of, I do, I mean, I love all that use it, lose it thing. I love the idea that you can, like you say, for some people, it's bringing a member of family out. For some people, it's whatever. It might just be for, 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 for you that you just go, do you know what? When we get to this city, I'm going to book in that hotel. Yeah, because, because I'm going to look forward to that. That's going to be halfway through the tour and I'm really looking forward to just checking into that hotel because having travelled a lot, you know, in my previous job, wearing is the word I would use about travel. It is just so tiring.
0: Yeah, it is tiring. It is tiring. And then if you, if you add to that um, the kind of, I mean, in my case, physical and emotional, hmm. um, what I exhaust during a show, two and a half hours of doing what I do, uh, and add that to the the wearing of the travel, you, you can just end up... I get angry eventually, uh, not at anyone in particular, just I get angry at the fact that I'm having to give all of this to whoever, you know, and it's not, f- I get, <laughs> I just get that. This just isn't fair feeling, you know. Um, and so if you if you have got the option once in a while to just spoil yourself on, in whichever way that is, uh, it can make a difference.
1: Mm. I'm sure it does. I do love as well, I mean, the, the, the kind of, the idea that you exist that way as a band, so you found a way of, of dealing with all those things as a group, you, but not to the extent of all needing separate jets to get there and separate limos to get to the gig. You like a, you like a Fisher Price version of the Police or the Eagles, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pink Floyd on a budget. Yeah, Pink Floyd on a budget. That's yeah, what Ian always like called us. Yeah, <laughs> that's an episode title as
1: well. I don't know if we dare go with Pink Floyd on a budget. Well,
0: you can. You know, that's been Mosley's uh, Mosley's description of Marillion for years. Pink
1: Floyd on a budget. Love it. Love it. Um, we're going to go straight to a bit of diary. We're going to go early to diary only because it's that day, isn't
0: it? one of the most harrowing days of my life I mean and God knows I've had a few. Um, obviously I wasn't physically threatened on this particular day and I didn't end up in aE or or I, I wasn't being sewn back together by by sailors <laughs> but um, it was right up there with with the most ter- terrifying things that, that have ever happened to me.
1: And we have talked about this in, a, in an episode before. I don't know if it was a bit of extra content or it was an episode proper. So we have discussed it a little bit, but let's have the full splendor of the reading because I did – you can't help but read that and not you, – you, you're smiling when you read it for all the wrong reasons. You're really smiling because we're all not you at that point in time.
0: Yeah. No, it was – It was one of those things that could have been a glorious thing, but was so not. Here it comes. Sunday, 27th of January. Barcelona Bikini. Today could be best described as, quote, when a breakdown of communication takes ten years off your life. My good friend and brother, Gabriel Perez, had arranged for me to sing a duet with Catalan rock star Pep Sala at the medal ceremony of the men's handball world championship final between Denmark and Spain, to be held today at the Palo San Jordi Stadium across town. Which Gabriel manages. The King of Spain is to attend, and the thing will go out live on TV. I had agreed to do this some weeks ago. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I'll be in Barcelona anyway with Marillion, and as the performance is to happen late afternoon, I can nip over there after Marillion's sound check and before our somewhat smaller show. A couple of weeks ago, Gabriel emailed me to say that the thing would have to be done as a playback or mime as there wouldn't be the facilities to sing live through the PA and no time to check our sound or set it up. I asked Gabriel to send me the track so that I could get the lip-sync exactly right for TV. He had sent me the song and I must confess I hadn't given it too much attention ahead of today, so I spent much of the day listening to the track and trying to learn every last nuance of my vocal so that I could mime it flawlessly. I'm not someone who phrases words mechanically, and I'm constantly pushing and hanging against the groove, so these things take a lot of learning. I would have much rather sung the thing live, but it wasn't an option. Around 4pm... We took a taxi to Palo San Jordi, where the handball final was sold out to around 20,000 people attending. The taxi dropped us at the perimeter, and we walked the rest of the way. I was wearing headphones and repeatedly playing the track, still not too sure of the phrasing. Inside, we were greeted by Gabriel, who showed us to our seats. Linetta was thrilled to be attending the final between Spain and her home country, It turns out the Crown Princess of Denmark was in the house too. As the game progressed, my heart rate redoubled at the prospect of playing to this huge crowd and to the attendant royals, especially as I was still trying to hear the track in my headphones against the roar of the crowd and not really feeling like I was too sure of the phrasing. From here, the day took a turn for the worse. Spain gave Denmark a humiliating thrashing as Denmark's spirit appeared somehow broken. Denmark was completely outclassed and one could only wonder how they had managed to progress to the final only to appear so inept today. I felt for Lanetta, and our Danish lighting designer Jens who had tagged along to watch. The Spanish home crowd were going nuts as Spain scored yet more and more goals over a crushed Denmark. By the time the game was all but over, Gabriel reappeared to escort us on the long walk through the corridors of the hall to the side of stage, in inverted commas, i.e. the central area where the handball game was concluding with a 35-19 victory for Spain. I said hello to Pep, and everything seemed to happen at once. Hello, my friend. I have placed a low-frequency tone at the front of the playback so that you know the key of Easter. What? I'm miming Easter? Which version? The acoustic one we made last time in Barcelona. Didn't you get my email? Yes, but Gabriel sent me the other track, Boig partout the one with the band the one with the band? No, my friend, you will sing Easter and then we'll play the version of Boïc per two for two pianos. Oh my God. The acoustic version of Easter is completely free, has no rhythm and is impossible to mime either vocally or instrumentally. As this fact hit me like a thunderbolt, a technician was strapping a radio pack to me and placing a pair of in-ear buds into my ears. At the same time another assistant was holding up his fingers and counting down five, four, three, two, one, to our time in front of this enormous crowd and the television cameras. In a daze I walked into the glare of lights and the crowd and sat down on one of the two piano stools. As I did so, I trapped the wire beneath me, and both the in earbuds flew out of my ears just as I heard the first piano chord sound from the PA in the stadium. I was about to make the entire performance, monitoring from the room, 150 metres away from the nearest PA speaker. On the bright side, even if I'd known the song backwards, there's no way in physics I could have mimed in time with it, as I was hearing the music probably about one second later than it would be coming out of people's TVs. Anyone watching would have seen an idiot Englishman's mouth moving about a second after he sang while his hands hit the piano in a similar fashion which had nothing to do with the music. The horror. Sometimes you've just got to dig in and not have a nervous breakdown or soil yourself. This was one of those. The second song, Pertu, Pep's big hit, went by in a vague dream also and at no point in either of the non-performances did I manage to get my ear monitors into my ears. Well, I certainly know how to fuck up horribly when I most need to shine. Always did. At one point I heard booing, which I felt was well-deserved, and all my own work, but I was later to discover that some of the crowd had taken exception to Pep introducing the song in Catalan, not Spanish. There's a move at the moment in Spain for Catalonian independence and although we were in Barcelona, the capital of Catalonia, or Catalunya, Pep's use of Catalan was interpreted by some of the Spanish handball fans as a provocation. As soon as the performance had ended, we had to dash across town where Marillion were holding stage time until my return. It had been arranged to have a car at the Palo Saint Jordi with the engine running, waiting to whisk us back. That never happened either. The King of Spain's security weren't allowing anyone inside the perimeter fence, so we had to run down the road. The fresh air did me good. Had a great gig with Marillion, though. Never get out of the boat.
1: We're back. And you just said in the break, I can't quite remember exactly what you said, but you'd have given your left arm for average
0: that day. <laughs> I would have just to have sat down on that piano stool and known what I was about to do would have been a great luxury having having thought I did up until 35 seconds before we went on. Mm. Did you get to the bottom
1: of the miscommunication about the tracks?
0: Well, or, probably. Or was it forgotten
1: once it had happened?
0: It was forgotten. I mean, it all come. It had all come through Gabriel, my friend and brother in in, in Barcelona, uh, who is such a beautiful soul, um, that. To give him a hard time when all he's trying to do is is uh, you know it's all about he's 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 he's, tr- he's trying to raise me up. There's nothing in it for him no. um, at all. Um, on any level, there isn't even something that you know I don't know that could reflect four times and then reflect well on him. It was just purely um him trying to do something great for a couple of his best mates and he's very he's very thick with uh, this catalan rocker called pep sala who is an extraordinary fella in himself um and he's very thick with me and he thought let's put the two of them together and they can do a song at the halfway point of this this massive event in this 20,000 capacity stadium and it's the final of the hand it's the final of the European handball uh, tournament huge deal live tv handball's a big deal in in Spain just as the football is and um, so he, he just meant his best but because his english isn't the best and my Catalan is patchy, frankly. Um there was a lot of room for uh, for confusion. And he'd got it into his head that Pep and I were gonna do this song. Um which we which we thought initially when 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 the thing was ran past me in the first place, it was ran past me as a why don't you and Pep get up in the interval and play a song together? And uh, I think, well, yeah, but then the more you think about it, the more you think, well, when would we sound check that? What about the equipment? What about, what about, what about? And bit by bit you realise um, there's, no, there's going to be no opportunity to do any of that. I mean, having said that, Prince managed to, you know, strut out there at half-time at that amazing... Is that the football or the baseball? Yeah, didn't he play Purple Rain in the rain? It was just incredible. Hmm. But, I mean, he would have had to have sound-checked all of that and he would have needed a lot of people and a lot of equipment and a lot of, you know, all the... So to do something like that, you need a hefty old budget and a bit of time, and we didn't have either. And so it went from hey why don't you do a song to well actually uh you you'll have to mime to something because there just isn't going to be any way to do it you know equipment wise we can stick a couple of pianos in the middle of the area where the you know the middle of the basketball um, the handball court in the middle of the stadium we can do that but we can't plug them in there won't be time, and there won't be time. So will mime. So, so then you think, oh God, well that's not ideal. But what the heck, you know, it's it's it'll be a crack, you know, and it's a huge event. So you agree to do that, and then you say, which song are we doing? And he sends you it, and then you you spend, God knows how long, learning it and learning to mime it, and. Miming for me is always difficult because of the way I sing. I don't really sing on the beat. You know, it's not a robotic performance. It's always either slightly in front or behind the way I phrase stuff. Um, so to mime that convincingly, if you're going to be on the television, uh, you've you've really got to learn it, learn it, learn it. Um you you got to go go over it a hundred times, and even then you you're gonna you're gonna do well to make it really look convincing. So i I was busy doing that, and then of course I got got there, and Pep said, "Okay, okay, my friend. So i I will i I have made a a single tone on the front of the song, so you will know which key to come in when you sing the beginning of Easter." And I went, Easter? And that was that, you know. So I hadn't heard the track. It was a track that him and I had done together completely free in the past. So it didn't have a rhythm, didn't have a tempo. How the fuck do you mime to that? Mm. You can't. Um, It really was like pinning down Smoke and finding that out. Uh, and at the same time as I was, he was telling me this and that was sinking in, there was another guy counting down from five in front of me to us going live. And, and some other guy or girl ramming some uh, monitor earplugs in my ears and, and sticking a pack on my back. And then we walked out and as I sat down, I sat on the wire and they both flew out. So it couldn't have been worse.
1: <laughs> Thing is, bless him, he wanted to give you a memory, didn't he? He did, yeah, and he did he, give you a memory. He certainly did.
0: Um, but I mean, but there would have been it, not, there would have been only the biggest asshole on earth would have gone to Gabriel after that and gone. Ah, bah, 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 bah. His fucking idea was this, bah, 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 bah. you know? You'd I'd have had to have been Axl Rose. To, to and and that, I was maybe. just thinking, Axl Rose, as you were saying that. I was Funny thinking, well, that Axl Rose, bro, yeah, bro, bro. Van Morrison, possibly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but to be, to be fair, I, I did I actually didn't have time to talk to anyone, um, because having done that performance or that, uh, you know, having having endured that severe embarrassment and trauma, I. I had a car outside with the engine running so I could get across town to the Marillion gig because they were waiting for me. Um, so if I'd been an arsehole, I wouldn't have actually had time to tear a strip off anybody. Hmm. Um, so we, I, we were straight out of there, and lit, ru, I mean running, properly physically running uh, to get out of this enormous gig. Um, it was like getting out of Wembley, you know, you, you you don't just leave. You 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 run down very long corridors and then turn left and run down those and then turn right and then come out the door and then run another half mile to the perimeter fence. So it was like that, um, getting out of there.
1: And then, like you said, the, the Marillion gig just goes fine.
0: Well, you know, it was... <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I think visiting the Inquisition would have felt like a pleasure <laughs> after that. Oh. <laughs> so, see, so you didn't get to meet the royalty then. Well, you, you weren't you weren't there at thanks, the end, were you? Thankfully, not. I mean, I I would have wanted the ground to swallow me up, right. but no, I don't think we were getting anywhere near the king of Spain. Right.
1: And what was what did the letter say? Because she's obviously in the crowd, isn't she?
0: Well, I, well don't what, side, I don't know what I don't know what she side. saw. I think I think she was probably so far away that she couldn't really see what was going on anyway, and uh, she was traumatized because Spain had absolutely leathered Denmark. <laughs> yeah. So. I was feeling a bit like, well, i better not speak to her. And she was probably thinking, well, i better not speak to him. So I think it was a kind of mutual, we better give that 24 hours before we even mention it feeling. Hmm. Dare I ask, is there any footage of this? I Have you seen the footage? I hope not. No, I, to my knowledge, I, I, I don't think there is, although somebody said they'd seen it on the telly the following day. Right. And th- and thought it looked really good and uh, which m- led me to question which particular brand of drugs they were on.
1: <laughs> and he's an interesting looking fella, Pep. He's got a look of um Oh producer, um Jeff Lynn. He's got a bit of a look of Jeff Lynn about him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess he's from that sort of generation. I think he, he had it's like his a butch hits. cat Stevens, isn't he? Yeah, he's his, he, well he's a Catalan and they are um, you know they're what, what's, how can I put it they're oh, I better not say anything in case I in case I say the wrong thing but they're they're like gypsies the Catalans you know and their music is like gypsy music um they're um, they're a kind of breed apart free-spirited. Um, yeah, and, and rough and ready. It's a rough mm. and ready. I mean, Pep's really wealthy um, and extremely generous and in his life he's had a lot of success. He's a great musician. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he's he's a very unpretentious, down-to-earth character and he's a great laugh and he's lovely. Um and I've done a few shows with him and and they've always been I mean, they've been stressful because I've not not been able to get him to rehearse. That there, there is this kind of very casual relationship with, Hey, my friend in love be all right. You know, there's a bit of that. Whereas I'm very much, uh, we really need to dot the I's and cross the T's here, Pep. Um we don't, and he's going, Come on, it's ten past two, we could go to dinner and I'm and I'm going, but but it sounds like shit and all the chords are wrong. Yeah, it'll be fine. Come on. So we're very different in that regard. I like things to, to be at least in with a fight chance of being right rather than this kind of leap of faith thing that, that Pep has. And yet when you do an H show,
1: you also put yourself under pressure. So a bit of that thing that Pep's got going on of it'll be fine, you do a bit of that with your natural shows.
0: I force myself to do that, yeah, but yeah. but inside I am screaming. Right. I'm screaming with, with you know, terror uh, of what I've done to myself. Uh, but, but I continue to do it because I kind of think that that's probably for the best as far as the crowd's concerned and in terms of the ethos of it... Um, and you know, trying, trying, try, try, trying to create something in the moment which can go anywhere is is what I want those shows to be all about. But they do terrify me. Hmm. There's a I've got a fridge magnet on the
1: fridge. Would you believe? Hmm. Um, with a quote that's attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt, but I don't know if it is actually her or not. But um, do one thing every day that scares you.
0: <laughs> yeah i think that's great advice and it, it's a bit like the bowie thing about walk out into the sea till your feet just don't quite touch mm, don't and quite that's, touch that's that's where you want to be mm. um that's where the good shit happens um and it doesn't mean it's comfortable but that's where it's that i guess that's where you're really being a human being if your feet, if if your feet are on the ground, you're doing what you've always done. But if you can just get to that place where they're not quite, then you're going to be doing those. You 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 you're going to be finding those spontaneous, visceral, animal things that you you know that 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 go away as soon as you're comfortable.
1: So where are the rest of the band on that? Are they all with you? Are they all, with, or is anybody? Is there anybody else that's like, oh no? Be... Do you know what? We'll busk it. It's fine.
0: No, they're 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 not like that. I they're all a... with you. No, no, I'm a lone voice. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah. They they like everything rehearsed to hell. Right. And and if they haven't got it rehearsed to hell, maybe Mark not so much. <laughs> but, but... I think Mark aspires to being really well rehearsed, but it, it, other things always crop up. It's it's not
1: as easy or as enjoyable as he perhaps thought.
0: What do you mean?
1: Well, I'd like to be. I you know I aspire to be absolutely slick, but it involves quite a bit of work and quite a lot of effort required. I
0: could be doing something else. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's the. I could be doing something else, and also the. Uh, oh my God, this all took a lot longer than I thought it would. Now I haven't got any time to do this. Hmm. Um, Mark, Mark's one of the most optimistic people I've ever met. Time, wise about you know when, when trying to predict how long something will take, you can comfortably multiply what he thinks by five, and it isn't long enough.
1: If we start early enough, we can record the album in a day. I mean, why not? It's only an hour's worth of music.
0: If I was to propose that to my Jack, his eyes would light up and he'd go, yeah, let's do it. Everybody else would throw (laughs) themselves off the roof.
1: Oh, Rothers would be walking out of the the (laughs) ex-brothel at that point in time.
0: Rothers would just shrug. And Ian and Pete would throw themselves off the roof. Right, right. And how would Pep get on with Lewis? I should imagine they'd get on extremely well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, similar. I mean, they're not similar characters, but they would certainly have a similar sort of sense of general bonhomie. Yeah,
1: because um, when you were describing Pep, I just I just had Lewis
0: flashing through my head. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're, they're similar, certainly in the sense that they can trot out stories for hours and hours and hours about things they've done and people they've worked with in the past. I know that Pep's hung out with some some serious sort of musos and players and stars over the years, and because um, he was quite, he was a big star in Spain at one point. So you, you know you'll. He won't name drop, but but he'll he'll reminisce about you know things that have happened to him, and he says, you know, he once said to me, I oh, said uh, I met this guy, I think he's some kind of uh, something to do with football and the television. Uh, lovely guy, really nice guy, um, Gary uh, Lineker. you know, and uh, so he'll say things like that a bit a bit. A bit like how Lewis will will go. Oh, that guy, you know that guy. I did some work with that guy. Um, 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 um and he, you know, and you over a period of twenty minutes, you you slowly get to Brad Pitt. You know, and you shouldn't have to struggle for Brad Pitt, really, should you? You shouldn't but, have to reach for Brad, should you? With <laughs> <laughs> but but Lewis, it can take all day.
1: Oh, I think that's... I do think that's fantastic. I do think that's fantastic. Well, look, I think you've done really well because Thank you were you. a bit flat when you came on the call. Let's be honest.
0: I was, and it's not the first time, is it, that that, um, that our little chats have, have yeah. elevated me out of the swamp and into quite a good place.
1: Well, particularly when we were going over one of those incredible but at the same time relatively painful memories.
0: Hmm. Yeah yeah well I, enough time has passed for me to find all that just really amusing right so you're but, you're
1: in the amusing camp with all that now thats oh that's, god yeah that's in your yeah. top five stories is it
0: yeah it's i mean it was a oh well hang on a sec bit of bit of piano <laughs> kicking in <laughs> oh oh <laughs> it's one of my sort of my more affected pianos um yeah, it's you know, it was it, it was it was in my top top 5 traumas of life I think. Uh, you know, in the process of doing it, but um uh, you know, it's not like one of my kids got kidnapped no. or uh, fell into a river. Now that's trauma. Uh, no. Anything else by comparison is just unfortunate. So it was unfortunate being shit in front of the king of Spain. But hey, I'm sure he doesn't remember.
1: No. No, and from what I understand, I mean, 10 years have passed. I don't think people are talking about it anything like as much as they
0: used to. (laughs) So so in that respect, we're absolutely fine. Pep probably occasionally reminisces and has a little chuckle.
1: Oh, he'll trot it out. (laughs) No doubt he'll trot it out. Um, Uh I I think when we get together again next time, I think we need to
0: definitely talk about fear again. We do, yes. That was did you, well. What happened to that? It well, sort of slipped away, didn't it? Well, it kind of did a little bit,
1: but then it, you can't really have this diary reading without talking a little bit more about this diary reading, can you?
0: No, no. That that was an a- extraordinary day, and and worth reading out at a future gig. I think that one.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's of all the ones that you've read, and I know obviously you've you've done the Bluebird one. A few times and a couple of others, but this is definitely a. I could see you animated reading this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's it's one of those where I could keep stopping and adding a few bits that I didn't even write down. You know, as the, as the memories of that trauma come back to me. Maybe you could do it at the Crooked Billet. Hmm. Yeah, that that's a good shout. Maybe we could. Maybe that would be a thing on one of the nights. Because the thing, I'm going to live stream the Crooked Billet. So that seems to be a plan that's going forward. We There was a bit of uncertainty about whether they had a good enough um, internet speed there, but I, I believe they do. So um, Tim's going to come down and shoot it, I think, um, shoot one of the three nights, and we'll live stream that. And so that will end up being... Um, Being, uh, what do they call it? Not frozen in time, captured, not immortalized. The other, the other thing, maybe immortalized. That you know, you know the word. The word. Brad Pitt, captured, not captured. Um, It'll be, uh, yeah, on bloody film. (laughs) It'll be on bloody film. Will be on bloody film or video or something. And does that
1: mean you're not live-streaming Oxford this year then?
0: No, I'm not going to live-stream Oxford this year. Uh, I'm doing two nights, so there's, there's more chance of seeing it live than, than normal because what happens with Oxford each year is it goes on sale usually round about now and or maybe even earlier than now, You know, early June or late May, and it's sold out by the summer and then the winter comes around and people start thinking about christmas and oh perhaps it might be fun to go and see h's christmas show and of course by then it's all it's all done and sold out so this year hopefully there'll be a few tickets left for either the friday or the saturday night um by the time you by the time you think oh that might be fun hopefully there'll be a few tickets left um and I just didn't really see the point in live streaming it again and putting out a DVD that that you know looks like all the others. Um, it'd be nice to do something that looks and feels completely different. Mm.
1: And crooked, but it's going to look and sound different, isn't it? That's the point. Oh, not many.
0: Yeah, it'll be. It's not a church; it's a tent, because um, it is. Um, it's a marquee in the garden where he. he he does the live music, so we're not going to be in that tiny little room that that Marillion actually played back in the uh, in the in the spring of nineteen eighty nine. Um, we will be there, but we won't be in that room. I think that room will what that room that room will be full of people having dinner. I should think. Um, it's not a very big room. Hmm.
1: Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. right. I'll leave you. We will pick up on fear next time. So one six seven, probably one six eight. We'll try and have a bit of a bit of fear chat.
0: I played a little bit of living in fear of Berlin before I started the three minute boy. I did a little bit of you know what a waste of time. Yeah yeah, Great Wall of China. Stoza trata premier Berlinskaya Stina. Bit of Russian for. Uh, for Pregosian. And, um, yeah, Die Berliner Mauer, of course, which is the Berlin Wall. So I threw that in. Um, I don't know if anybody quite got it. Well. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No. <laughs>
1: it's
0: my gig. I can do what I want.
1: And on that bombshell, <laughs> I'll see you next time.
0: All right, Anthony. Thank you very much and thanks everyone for listening and uh, stay purple, stay groovy, stay alive, keep breathing, eat more chocolate, drink more gin. Toodaloo.
1: Thanks for listening to The Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.